everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Books of Gays. This week, we are able to sit down and talk to the author of Pinch, Natalie. Her debut novel came out yesterday, September 22nd, and if you haven't ordered it yet, then you absolutely will be by the end of this episode. We guarantee it. <laughs> Get ready to root for the bad guy when you're reading Hench. Are superheroes actually the good guys, or do they cause destruction physically, emotionally, and financially wherever they go? Do hench people and villains deserve respect too? Are data and research and statistics going to bring down some of the most beloved heroes? Is Natalie hysterical, creative, and incredibly cool? Or how do you say data or data? Guess you'll have to keep listening (laughs) to find out. So let's get into our episode with Natalie and pick her brain about her new book. Woo! everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Books to Gaze. This week, we were able to sit and talk to the author of Hinch, Natalie. Her debut novel came out yesterday, September 22nd. And if you haven't ordered it yet, then you absolutely will be by the end of this episode. We guarantee it. So, Natalie, my name is Alex, and my pronouns are she, her, and Sam. And I'm Sam, and my pronouns are she, her, and... Thank you so much for coming on our podcast, and congrats now on your release of Hench when this airs. So we're <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's uh, it it kind of doesn't feel entirely real yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's been something I've been you know that's been in the far far future for like eighteen months. So now that it has occurred, it's it's very surreal. It's finally here. Yeah. So obviously, our listeners will be hearing this the day after your book release hopefully many of them have already ordered hench we've talked to quite a few of them who have pre-ordered it mm-hmm. so we're excited very uh, exciting for me <laughs> but right now we since got it's, you yeah <laughs> since it's the day before your book release how are you feeling about everything oh man um i i have i have the anxiety for sure it's you know it feels very much like being at the top of a of a roller coaster <laughs> like which is you know in in both uh a metaphor and in, in a kind of a real way like there's nothing I can do now like it's it's yes. going to happen it's there <laughs> I just need mm-hmm. to like accept that in my body and allow it to occur and right. not have a nervous breakdown that's those are my primary goals for the next 48 to 72 hours of my life right those are kind of my like daily life mantras <laughs> don't don't let anything like explode or overwhelm do you have anything planned for tomorrow for your launch um i am definitely sleeping in yeah uh, hell yes or attempt- yes, yes, attempting yes. to anyway probably i'll be up at like six fifteen to be like uh look at my phone again for 17 hours um, but, <laughs> that's our uh, whole life we understand <laughs> my whole life uh and then my partner and i are going to take a drive and see if we can find a bookstore with a display so Ooh, I can like yeah. take a discovered in the wild photograph. And That'll be fun. Rogue sign a couple. We should see. Um, but yeah, that's that's those are mostly my plans. We're gonna see like what what it looks like in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Very very mm-hmm. exciting to me uh, and very dorky. I know. No, not at all. Sam <laughs> loves doing that. She'll go uh, other books we talk about. She'll go and she'll take pictures and like tag the author and be like, "Look, I found your book." <laughs> I'm like, I would, so I get so excited because I'm like, we know you, we know you. <laughs> yeah, now we really do. But do you, is it weird to have your book release in a weird pandemic time? Oh, oh. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
I mean, I'm, I don't know what the plans ultimately would have been because mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it kind of um, took hold of the world in the, in the early planning stages, but like what a book tour looks like was mm-hmm. oh, yeah. like seven or eight months ago, right? And, you know, there was, uh, I was planning on going to Dragon Con and I was planning mm-hmm. on going to like Comic Con and like there were, there were lots of, you know, places like that that I very much wanted to have a presence and talk about Hinch, um, which isn't to say like that a lot of that outreach is impossible. It's just very, very different. Like it, it right. looks completely, completely mm-hmm. different and kind of what I thought um, this stretch of time would look like. like yeah, it's very virtual now. Reality. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, but that said, like, it feels um, like very, I'm very glad I have something to be profoundly hopeful about and mm-hmm. to kind of like yeah. looking forward to. Like that's that's been pretty excellent um even though like you know everything's on fire sometimes literally yeah (laughs) where where are you folks by the way where are you located we're both in florida we are in florida so we don't we don't believe anything here we keep making this joke with everyone that florida we florida solved the pandemic yeah we're done you decide you just decided not to come release your book here you can go everywhere it's fine (laughs) everyone's on tour here don't worry about it and then where are you located i'm in toronto oh oh my goodness okay so you guys are doing much better up there yeah we're having a bit of a spike right now actually Mm. which is like uh, we are too. Which is it's not the the same as what other like you folks are experiencing. Like it's just not. But uh, you know, it's still spooky. So like things yeah. are a lot better, and now they're kind of like Ooh, again. So yeah, I'm sure your government is handling it a little more um, professionally than ours. I mean, the bar is low. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Very fair. low. We're here uh, at the bottom. You know, there's there are definitely like things I think could be different. Like you know bars and a lot of other like restaurants and spaces like that are are open at a time a lot of people don't feel like they should so like Mm -hmm. there's definitely things to talk about you know we have in-person school started up last week and a lot of people are like super stressed out about that yeah very reasonably so yeah like it's there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot to Mm -hmm. be anxious or afraid about and there's a lot of completely fair criticism but um yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't compare the situation like Canada to the US yeah Yeah. Canada to Florida Canada to Florida Florida Um, might as well be its own government here Florida and Texas combine them and send them away but let me move let me move first yeah 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 yeah. that part um y'all gonna take us because we gonna need it (laughs) we're always like every time florida has an election i'm like is this when i move to canada yet or not (laughs) one of my best friends growing up has family in montreal so i'm like oh yeah can i go stay with you guys (laughs) permanently like i'm always like do these guys get to go with me like do my dogs get to you drive them you drive them right over 100 percent um no tires though i teach and so Hmm. we've been like in school for five weeks now and it is in person and it is so much so much and so profound respect for you man like that's a that is a hard job and you are doing it under absurd circumstances 
Um, yeah. It is a day at a time. A day at a time. That's what I tell myself. Like, you can do this a day at a time. And then I come home and drink beer and hang out with my dogs. So, honestly, like, we're That's living right. the best life. At 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, had cake, I had cake for dinner. So, the adulting thing is going well. I want cake for dinner. Oh. I'll send I'm you jealous a now. Thanks, thanks. Actually, I want Kyle's cookies. So All right, I'll if send you could you just those. send those. My okay. best friend is my neighbor, and he makes me cookies. So oh, spectacular. we love I him. I have great neighbors. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we love do. him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Natalie, real quick, um, do you think that you could give us a little brief synopsis of your book, kind of like an elevator pitch, sure, so that people can hear about it? Absolutely. Um, Yay. So can- Hench follows the life and career of Anna, who is a henchwoman, uh, you know, one of the sort of downtrodden and, uh, you know, frequently overlooked and or expendable uh, employees mm-hmm. and villains. She does a lot of weird and hilarious jobs for uh, mm-hmm. very bad people. Um, and eventually a, uh, a run-in with a superhero um, leaves her very badly injured. Most of her work has been like spreadsheets and answering mm-hmm. phone and data entry. And she hasn't had a lot of one-on-one experience with heroes. Um, but the, the experience is deeply traumatic for her in more ways than one. Um, so she starts to think very seriously about what is the cost of superheroism mm-hmm. um, right. on the people and the communities that heroes are ostensibly there to protect um Mm -hmm. and she finds that through the power of math (laughs) she can actually prove that they are in fact horrible um which leads her down uh both a dark and wondrous career path um and i realized uh i've you know talked about it seriously right like and there are a Mm -hmm. lot of like fairly heavy things in the book for sure but i promise it is also very funny as it much is. as it is so like funny. an extended trolley problem <laughs> like it's just morally lots of different shades of morally gray um which we love we love oh, a yeah. morally gray character yes. story yeah. he's very complicated most of the characters are in fact extremely complicated mm-hmm. um and my my sort of uh, great hope is that like all of anna's uh decisions makes sense right Mm -hmm. she she presents them in a way that you like understand exactly what she's doing and why she's doing it um and suddenly you're like wait what this hang on like you kind of find yourself uh like both horrified and also understanding exactly how we got here um, yeah in terms of her her rationale and, and her experiences. I and, loved Anna, even in like some mm-hmm. of her moments where I was like, oh, okay, girl, but I still was like, I, I do the same thing probably. So I'm right. right there with you, like cheering you on. Hire me, please, for your team. <laughs> I loved I loved Anna and her relationship with her best friend, the me one that too. she lived with. Yeah. Gosh, like the way that you wrote them, I was like, I feel like I've been through that whole like cycle. Does that make sense? Like where hundred percent does. Yeah. And I was, I just was really appreciative because a lot of times you don't see that like in a friendship, like in books you see, Oh, we broke up or, Oh, like we're back together. But it was like, you went through the whole cycle with them. And I, I loved that so much. And just even like the text messages back and forth. I'm like, yeah, I would send that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, like, their relationship means a lot to me too. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a mistake to think that, um, 
friendships are secondary relationships and mm -hmm. often they are, uh, the dissolution of friendships can be as painful as any mm -hmm. romantic relationship. And you know, yes. like, uh, I didn't want to, you know, uh, I'm not a super big believer in romantic primacy. So I, it was very important to me to have um, relationships that were really, really important to her that were outside that kind of paradigm. Yeah. Right. And that was really noticeable. And I think in that respect, on the surface, you know, Hench is the superhero versus villain, exploring that kind of world and theme. But so much of the book, too, is about Anna, her friendships, her network, and recovering from mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. And oh, in the yes. best way she knows how, which isn't always, you know, the most perfect way. And as like a mental health person, recovering from trauma can look like anything. So what were your thought processes in exploring friendships in this book and exploring trauma while also working within the superhero comic world theme? Well, if that I makes think, sense. I think, no, it does. It super does. Um, I think that um, I've been a, a fan of superhero stories my whole life, right? Like I'm, I'm a gigantic nerd who started collecting comics when they were very, very little. So like that's always been a um, core part of the way I relate to stories and I understand stories like they've always they've always been very important to me um in terms of their structure I think uh superhero stories are very archetypal um they tend to be about ideas um and often ideas that are represented by people right mm -hmm. like in the way that like um Captain America is like that very like truth and justice like idealized nationalism yeah. kind of thing you know you kind of get you get ideas or ideals you know personalized or 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 made into people and i think that's very interesting um and i think because uh you know we're sort of used to superhero stories um standing in for ideas like mm -hmm. people standing in for ideas you can do really interesting things thematically like hitting those ideas and therefore those people against each other or, or mm -hmm. show them working together. Um, and also when you, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, really rich fertile ground for taking a character who may have um, like, or a type of character mm -hmm. may have sort of just been, uh, you know, again, sort of like big ideas only representative and making them very complicated and putting a lot of like messy details into them. And it's like, what it, you know, like, what if truth and justice has a drinking problem is a lot more interesting than this sort of like elevated over here um when it comes to trauma like i also think that superhero stories give us a lot to work with there like yeah. a lot to, a lot to dig into um you know you're we're constantly seeing people who you know physically and emotionally and uh, are, are really put through the ringer um, you know, and, and superheroes are often um, portrayed as being, if not invulnerable, certainly a lot more physically mm -hmm. resilient yeah. uh, than the average person. Um, and, but that, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And that doesn't mean right. it doesn't like do something to you. So the fact mm -hmm. that you have characters who can absorb a lot more, like, physical trauma mm -hmm. than person does not mean they can also absorb the same amount of emotional trauma, right? right. So there's, there's just sort of very in interesting things you can do with that. And there's, you know, certainly a lot to dig into. Um, 
and you know, there's also, uh, it's not something that a lot of um, superhero stories have done. Certainly there are others that have done it. Like I think the Jessica Jones show mm -hmm. is like an excellent example of this. Like it really handles it super, super beautifully. Yes. Um, but I think that, uh, I don't think we've seen a lot of the, um, the trauma of ordinary people surrounded by superheroes, right? Because no. like my body is a squishy, vulnerable human mm -hmm. body. Him. <laughs> and if that were to like interact with a superhero, the results would be very horrifying. And yeah. one of us would be fine and the other would not. Um, right. And there's like, you know, we don't get to see those stories very often. Like we see a lot of the like destruction and collateral damage is sort of this like, in the background over here far away kind of thing mm -hmm. and they uh, cut the scene and go on exactly like, but what like, happened what to the people in those cars yeah yeah you just threw a car like there was a huge <laughs> crash on that interstate and you're telling me like we're just gonna bypass that like and it didn't yeah. happen yep and and it in order for those stories to move forward like you kind of do but like hang on a minute like every every single one of those actions actually has like huge consequences right not necessarily ones that the hero and then that would take away from them being a hero if they're like okay now we have to discuss how maybe you did stop this robber but you killed this person and seriously <laughs> maimed this person and like traumatized yeah. this person made an orphan of this like then they're not really that heroic, which is or what you even, for. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly correct. Or even the way that you brought in, like, the reasoning of them doing it. Like, the um, superhero that you wrote that was upset because um, Anna had orchestrated um, him his jealousy. Right. I thought that was yeah. fascinating because – we don't think about that either. Like it's all, it's not black and white. Like they didn't do it out of the goodness of their heart, you know, or like this morally no. like straight arrow. I, I just thought that was fascinating as well. That's yeah, what I, I love. I just, oh, go don't ahead. believe that somebody, sorry. I just don't believe that somebody with powers, much like any human being with power, wouldn't exercise that sometimes in a way that yeah. is that are super uncomfortable. Like, Right. I just, I, that is impossible. Like there, yeah. there is no way that um, having that kind of power would not be like misused. Right. Unless you're a um, robot, we're inherently like selfish. Like, yeah. yeah. I think that's what I love most about books too. And what I think your book did so well is I love books where after you're still thinking about them. So mm -hmm. I finished your book at, in August, but I'm like, every time I watch a movie now, I'm like, oh my God, did you see that? Cause like, what if they, what that hero just did that, but what, if, what pain are they? So I'm still yes. thinking about all I'm the repercussions. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm <laughs> thinking, now I'm thinking about all these repercussions and I'm like, now I want more stories because just I don't I feel like no one's ever discovered this like storyline mm -hmm. before and now I'm like so invested and I can't stop thinking about it when I think back on every hero movie I've ever watched because it takes real it takes the that. fairy tale out it does yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or and also kind of weirdly puts it back in right like yeah like, from a like, different perspective exactly yes um and I feel like I've always been uh fascinated by hench people as characters it's like okay how did you end up in this situation like i have questions yeah clearly like, mm -hmm. you have some specific skills right like you were you are obviously a very deliberate hire you're not like a rando 
you're wearing a ridiculous outfit. You possibly have like, like lines you are supposed to say for a specific occasion. Like this is all very carefully orchestrated. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're probably going to get terribly injured at your job. Like I need to know what happened to you that yeah. you ended up in this situation. And like, not even good it. credit. Like you don't no. even get like a trophy because you're a hench person. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're, you're also shitty because of it, right? Yeah. Like you're also, and, and therefore considered expendable, right? Like because mm-hmm. you're associated with whatever. Right. Um, so I, I've always found like, I've always wanted to know what's up with those people. How did they get here? What is their story? Like, how did they get from, I, I, I've used this example before, but like in Batman and Robin, Mr. Freeze's hench people are like, obviously a failed AAA hockey team of some kind. Like, just like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they're all like, they skate synchronized. Like, yeah. They're good at this. They've all clearly done sports and they're all, like, so you're all like washed up. They didn't medal like, in the Olympics. So they're yeah, not. They never went <laughs> medal. Like, and now you, you're here and now you were, you're divorced in here. Like I, mm. I need to know what you're like. Yeah. What so, happened? Yeah. So that's sort of what inspired you. Cause we have superhero novels and comics. We have even villain origin stories. And we even have like, I have a series in my bookshelf about sidekicks, but there really oh, yeah, isn't, yeah. there really isn't any hench novels. Mm-hmm. So that like fascination is what kind of inspired you to go this route. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just being, um, being interested in like what those stories potentially could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I looked for them for a long time and, and, really could only see them like on the periphery of other stories right and it's like that person just got thrown through a window i need what are they all right like yeah they're not fleshed out it's just yeah, they're like, definitely like Ooh, over there <laughs> um and eventually i realized that i was gonna have to write it yeah I, I wasn't seeing it um so i i was gonna have to put it in the world i feel like that happens if you don't see it or have it then you have to write it yourself absolutely yeah yeah there's a uh like a fan fiction Tumblr meme I've seen that's like, you know, uh, you're, you, you know, you're not like truly obsessed with a story until you're like at three in the morning on AO3, like whatever. Yep. <laughs> As a response, it's like, no, you know, you don't know you're obsessed with a story until you're looking at a blank page. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and I'm like, good. oh, also just for regular writing, <laughs> like very, yeah. true. like there's a story I'm looking for. I can't find it. I guess I'm going to have to, to write this. it. Mm-hmm. So in that vein, like taking it back, we know that you're really into comics and superheroes and villains. Who's your favorite villain? Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom. Dr. Ron Doom. Absolutely. Uh, he's, he runs a country extremely well and mm-hmm. like reasonably. So like, you know, uh, his um, like, brilliant obviously very important um you know a man of science always very good uh you can tell when he's pissed off because he starts speaking in the third person (laughs) great to know (laughs) very important yeah um yeah i i i find him really fascinating and Mm -hmm. i find like his uh his sort of like weird like hamilton and burr science rivalry with you know, yes fantastic is super interesting um and uh 
he's such he's been such a good villain for so many superheroes he's kind of like it's not just like that one rivalry it's not like batman's rogues gallery who kind of like are mm-hmm. really oriented around the one although I, I know there's been tons of crossover things but still like yes. doom doom antagonizes everyone <laughs> and yep. i respect that on a even <laughs> profound level yeah you kind of have to you have to respect that level of dedication too absolutely I've ridden the Doctor Doom ride at Bush Garden, or not Bush, yeah, Bush Gardens. It's like a theme, it's a theme park right down the street for me, and it's right across from where I work, so I see it. But it's I think they renamed it now, but it used to be the drop. It's you go up in that coaster and then they drop you, oh, yeah. and I will never ride it again because, <laughs> you know, not for me. But that's you know my my Doctor Doom story. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I can't do roller coasters. I'm a baby. Like anything with a drop, I'm like I'm out. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. I like them. Not not the scary, scary ones. But okay, so when we were prepping for this interview, we, you know, cyber stalked you. So (laughs) we were especially intrigued by your game designing background, your LARPing activities. And then we know that you have a background with loving comic books. So what more in your history and jobs and hobbies kind of led you in writing this novel? Oh man. Um, I mean, a little, a little bit of everything, right? Like, you know, there's, there's sort of just the background of having like read a lot of comics and has absorbed a lot of that kind of storytelling for sure. Um, when it comes to game design, uh, especially like video games with branching narratives, um, I like, I write a lot of possibilities. So it's not mm-hmm. prescriptive. It's like, here are a bunch of paths with choices that you can make that lead to different places. And, you know, maybe combinations of choices you will make are things I didn't even think about, right? Like mm-hmm. you are building your own experience here. Um, so it puts, it puts me in a place where I have to think through multiple situations. It's not just like, what is the thing that happens next? It's what are the things that could happen next? Yeah. Um, so right. I tend to kind of like look at um, narratives like crossroads as like, you know, kind of multiverse branching points, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are all the things that can happen? Um, and then, you know, like trying a bunch of them out sometimes and also picking the one that I think is the most fun or the most hilarious or like, you know, mm-hmm. has impact or whatever. Um, but there's there's never sort of like the automatic next thing. There's also like, it's always possibilities. Um, so I, I try I try very much to approach fiction writing the same way, and I, I'm ultimately making those choices. But I do let myself kind of think through like here are all the possibilities, mm-hmm. or at least all the possibilities I can think of. Um, a lot of the other stuff I write, like uh, like like LARPs or like which mm-hmm. stands for live action role play or mm-hmm. other kind of role playing stuff, um, I'm very interested in making people feel things. Uh, which yeah. is ironic because I only recently discovered feelings myself. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of like a robot that's like trying to do my, my feelings <laughs> learning on other people. I'm going to uh, help you, but I don't, I don't know what those are. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to experience this. Why don't you while I watch? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's comfortable for me. That would be great. That's me um, too, so. <laughs> so like, yeah. I am interested in what like makes people feel things, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. what, what positions can I put them in? that will like invoke a particular experience that I like hope for someone to have and that I have crafted for them. So that's, 
that's definitely part of it too, you know, whether I'm thinking of my reader in that position or I'm thinking of my character in that position, like what, what do I want to happen around them that will kind of like craft this particular right. experience. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've also had a whole bunch of terrible jobs for often terrible people that have, you know, like shaped me in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly have gone into it. I, uh, I have like a couple of failed stints in academia. I like quit a PhD about five years ago. I so like don't before that, I had like an MA, but then, you know, a bunch of years off in between. So I've kind of been like in and out of that extremely mm-hmm. weird um, universe that has its own rules of functioning in a way that seems to not intersect with anything else. Um, and I think that all of those things and probably a lot that I'm not thinking like all kind of went into what I was trying to construct here. That makes sense. You just have to lean in from your own experiences. Yeah, exactly. Create your characters. Mm -hmm. Um, so we talk a lot about the concept of unlikable characters here and how we actually don't love the criticism they get because we love real raw and flawed characters in our book. Life and humanity is messy. And how so many of these unlikable characters are women who are exhibiting the multifaceted aspects of their humanity. What are your opinions on the unlikable female character idea? And was it important for you to portray Anna in a realistic way with her strengths and weaknesses and various traits fully formed? However, they may be perceived by the reader. Yeah, I think it was very important to me that she be a real person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she not be like an idealized caricature of a person. Um, and, and for the most part, like the, the only people in the book who are kind of caricatures are, are very few of the heroes and it's for very specific reasons, maybe a couple of the villains too. Um, but generally speaking, like uh, I'm, I, it's deeply important to me that, um, my characters be complex and mm-hmm. that you know the the reader not necessarily that means that some people aren't going to like her and that's fine right like right you may not connect with this person that is okay I would much rather have um you know the people who do connect with Anna do so in a very deep and genuine way and sort of appreciate her for who she is in all that complexity than like just kind of like her and have her be kind of a, a lukewarm or a like um, a bit of a like watery gray sort of character. Um, I think, and I think that like, I don't, I'm not like pooping on anyone in particular when I say that I want to be very clear. And I, I, because there's, there's something that's, um, so in video games, when you're designing a protagonist, there's sort Mm -hmm. of, uh, two primary ways that you do. Well, yeah, there's, there's a couple ways you do it. Um, one, you like write a fully formed, complicated protagonist that has like like looks a very specific way and has their own whole different thing they have their own thing going on it's very very complicated um they may be likable they may be unlikable they have things you agree with and things that you don't and you know they have uh they're a character in the game that you're kind of like driving around but they're still like their own character or you have a character who's a stand-in for the player, mm-hmm. right? That, you, that the point of the character is not to be like a complicated person. They're supposed to be somebody that the player can imagine themselves into, whether this mm-hmm. is like 
you create the avatar so that you can be like, this is a, you know, the person I'm playing in this game, um, or whether they're sort of like blank, right? Uh, which unfortunately usually defaults to like bald space marine for some reason is like the default <laughs> human, I guess. Uh, that's, that's Somehow. What we get. Uh, that are like boring brown hair, look normal pants. I have a shadowy past. Like, of course you do. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Fine. You have <laughs> rough and you're sad. I don't know. Why are you in every game? Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to imagine myself as you, I guess. Sure, fine. Um, <laughs> but they're kind of like a blank slate in one way or the other. And like, there are obviously problems with the fact that like a straight white guy with the sads or a straight guy, white guy with like the buffs and the not sad are like the only <laughs> kinds of people that you can Ugh. meet. Or that's like the blank slate of video game characters, right? Yeah. I'm not super interested in doing that. Uh, I think that there are some books try and do that with their protagonists, that they're yeah. really trying to create a space for the reader to kind of like do their own self-insertion fanfic. Mm -hmm. right? And there's there's a place for that, right? Like do that thing, that's cool. That is not what I was doing here. I wanted nice. all of these characters to um, be difficult and complicated and have sharp edges and to, you know, kind of like bump against each other in sometimes really uncomfortable ways. Um, because uh, it was it was less important for me to be telling a story everybody can put themselves into, and more important right. to be telling a specific story about specific mm -hmm. people. Right, and we love that. We don't want every character to be perfect, and like the Mary Poppins of a book. Like it's it's okay to be a normal person and mess up, and maybe be selfish and mean to your friends, but then you know work your way back in or. Or not. Yeah. We can yeah, all. Not. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, I am a trash goblin and I believe that there needs to be more literature for the trash goblin. Yeah, we need to be seen like... too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to be a little tangential real quick. Do you have any favorite video games? Yeah. As a video game designer. And what are they? Because I'm so curious. Um, you were a video so... game designer? Bloodborne is probably uh, like my favorite game of the last decade for sure. I love horror as well, like super, super big fan. And it's it's like like weird Victorian eldritch horror with like, I love it. It's, it's with, and that you can write poems in for some reason. Ooh, so all right. So great. I love it. Bloodborne, um, that's amazing. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I've played, I've played a, like a lot of hours of that game. Um, there's a yes. sort of like massive multiplayer shooter slash kind of RPG, mostly shooter, um, called Destiny, uh, mm -hmm. that I play a lot of, um, because it's, it, when my partner and I were long distance, uh, we would play together oh, a lot, like, you know, that's nice. uh, when we, we had to live like five hours apart, so we'd like play together on headsets and talk, yeah. and that we live together, we have two televisions next to each other. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Because as one does. Um, I play a lot of that. Uh, I think, um, like, this is this is old for sure, but like Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past is sort of like yeah. a game I played when I was a kid. I yep. played over and over and over again. And I still think has some of the like best puzzles in a game mm -hmm. like, ever. Um, yeah, th those are like, the really 
big ones that like immediately spring to mind in terms of like what have I what have I played the most what yeah what has had like the biggest impact on me that is so cool I feel like you have every young person who likes games dream job to like design and write yes, for video I games. I am extremely lucky. It's very rad. <laughs> that is awesome. I never, I've never met anyone that has actually done it. So now I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. They'll just let you do it, it turns out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I never that about a lot of things I, I like, I wanted to do. It's like, they can't stop you. Like you can, you, You're can, right. <laughs> you can just do it. You know, like I, I was a, I was a journalist for a lot of years. I was a music journalist. Uh, I worked uh, for almost 10 years. That was like my primary source of income. Uh, I mostly wrote about heavy metal because that's what I liked the best and was into the most. And uh, I got a lot of questions, especially like later on, like, you know, how did, how did you do training for this? Like, did you go to G school? Like, what was your whatever? I'm like, I just started doing it. Like, they, like no, no one asked <laughs> to see whatever, you know, like a certificate yeah. that I, I could uh you know and like I definitely wrote for free a bit at the beginning which is not necessarily advisable even but you know I I they can't stop you so right there's a thing you want to do like for sure just start just doing do it, it. Absolutely. I love that yeah. so this podcast yeah that's we just did that too <laughs> we just decided to up and start it but to Perfect. Circle back to your love of horror because I love everything horror. Sam does not, but I get really excited when other people like scary things because nobody in my life does. But this has a point. Anyway, um, I have to ask, what are your favorite horror movies? And then did your love of horror contribute to your book at all? Absolutely. First of all, second question first. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think that like what happens when a person and a superhero interacts is an innately horrifying proposition. Again, like I am soft and and squishy and like <laughs> there's there's just a lot of potential for that to go like really terribly wrong. Um, also a lot of stuff that happens in superhero comics like to both heroes and villains often is a lot, it, it involves a lot of like body transformation mm -hmm. um, and, like it in, as well as like horrific injury like one way or the other. Right. But like also like you know, uh, transfiguration and like, you know, some right. of the, some of like the superhero forms are not beautiful, right? Some are, um, are actually like really horrifying. And, you know, when it, when it comes to, um, you know, the, the way that that's handled, like there's a lot of potential for horror there. Um, so that, that definitely uh, had, I think a pretty big impact on, on, on what I did, especially like maybe at a few key moments. Um, but favorite favorite horror movies uh include man <laughs> it's uh, hard i know hard like it's it's super hard um i still watch and get scared by rosemary's baby like that is a great lot. one it's extraordinary it's it scares me so bad that like i immediately fall asleep for like 10 hours afterwards it's like yeah. oh, all the scared chemicals have been pumped out of my body only pure, like the shell has gone only like a pure being remains and and now I can relax at last like yeah. <laughs> that kind of intense experience for me 
Um, and it makes me laugh because you're saying this. And I'm like, yeah, it's the opposite. I would not be able to sleep for three days. <laughs> I would have to have the light on. I would wake up to every sound. And any time that my dogs even, like, looked in a corner, I would just, like, scream and have to go home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, somewhere. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. No, it's – that's – I find that, like – I love that about horror that it's either like yes or no. Like, yeah. it, are you or aren't you? And that's like, which is not a moral judgment in one way or the other. It's just like, either this is an experience you enjoy mm-hmm. or an experience you super don't. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like that's, I, that is important. Like the kind of like very mm-hmm. strong, like visceral reactions, I think, I think are, uh, are really important and it's something that like I tried to bring over um mm-hmm. also horror movies again like tend to be archetypal they tend to often be yeah. about like ideas as much mm-hmm. as they're about people yes um, and they're very good at demonstrating why you should listen to women and children and not doing so will get you murdered and oh. that is an important parable you and hear that world <laughs> that's why they save us first on sinking ships <laughs> We have great ideas. We're important. <laughs> and we won't let you die. Maybe. 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 Debatable, depending on who you're in a I'm horror I'm not burn your house down, but it's fine. <laughs> Maybe you're the scary person in the horror movie, Sam. Maybe I am. Maybe <laughs> I am. Oh, a, a very underappreciated horror movie that um, has had a lot of uh, impact on me in like general is called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It's like a mockumentary about a slasher. So like these college kids go to a town and are like, we're going to make a mockumentary about the like supernatural, like slasher creature that Mm -hmm. like, you know, emerges once a year and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And then they meet him and like, he like shows them his preparations for like being, and it's, so funny like I it, it is a for sure a horror movie and it plays with like a lot of tropes but it is also a comedy hilarious yeah. right because like he talks about how much cardio he has to do to keep up with the kids when they're trying to run away it's you know so funny that's a good um, thought like just yeah. like you want to write a book from the hench perspective maybe we also need to write him like how do you prepare to kill all these people <laughs> I I did not know that I needed to know this until I watched this and I like, wouldn't have thought brilliant. of that either yeah I'm gonna watch that I wrote that down yeah. extremely good that's exciting I wish everyone loved horror but like you said it is very divisive so yeah and it's it's totally fair like you know I I feel like it's one of those things like does your brain process this in a way that sublimates the bad feelings out or does it all trap itself in and there are certain things like I can't watch for sure like there are definitely things where I'm like if if this is here just like I cannot because it will be a new intrusive thought I will have for the rest of my life and I don't need that yeah yeah and I think when you're a horror person you kind of can tell like not for me but this i'll do it all day i watch him like to go to sleep which is oh yeah people out, but... is there a haunted house i'm in yeah 100 yeah forever to oh my gosh to fall asleep that stresses me out <laughs> no it's, oh my it's gosh. actually really relaxing to fall asleep to scary yeah. movies because they're yeah. dark and like low and it, aside from the screaming <laughs> it's just peaceful no that music really like i could not handle yeah. that you if I put it on mute, maybe. All right. Well, but don't like, sleep over at my house. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Okay. Um. So 
question. A lot of our listeners are future writers and are very, sorry, my headphones fell out. A lot of our listeners are future writers and are very interested in the publishing process. What was the publishing process like for you and any advice for our future writers? Um, the publishing process I had for Hinch, uh, I, I have two other books that are books of poetry, like small press, which are, are very, that is a completely different process, right? Like it's, I have a manuscript, I'm going to submit it to poetry specific presses, like mm -hmm. it's going to be a very small print run, you know, like it's a very kind of, we're going to make like 500 of these like artisanal objects and like sell them in a couple of whatever. It's a, it's a completely different process. Um, and I've definitely like, there's also a ton of work that goes into it. And there's like the same kind of complexities when it comes to like layout and manuscripts, mm -hmm. for sure. but it is, it is a different, it is a different process. Um, I'm very lucky to have, a wonderful agent, uh, right. I'm right? I'm represented by uh, Ron Eckel at Cook McDermott. Um, he found me on Twitter. Oh, uh, that's legit. Yeah, he, he was <laughs> like, he, he was like, I enjoy how hostile you are to all of these terrible men who keep tweeting at you. That's <laughs> amazing. Like, he, obviously, we're going to get along, and so then you know we were we were hoping to work together on a nonfiction project, um, but we you know. Just, it just never quite took shape. So we like uh, had dinner like once a year for several years. Uh, and then I, uh, we, I, we talked about Hench. I sent him some early stuff. And then um, a couple of years ago, I sent him a full draft of the manuscript. Um, being like, I, I don't know if this is good, but here, like I, I did, I did a thing. And a I did months, a thing. I did a thing. Ha -ha. Uh, <laughs> and a couple months later, he was like, I think I want to try and sell this. Um, so we, like uh, he and and a couple of his co-agents and I uh, went through a round of edits. So mm -hmm. like we back, I did a round of edits. Um, and when they felt like it was in a place where they could take it to market, um, he did. So he brought it to a bunch of publishers um, he thought would be interested. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually when a few of them were, it, um, surprising I assure you no one more than than I uh during that process um so eventually so he set a, a closing date last spring uh there was a like a small auction uh and it wow. it sold to William Morrow um at HarperCollins it's a big one yeah yeah it was, uh, it was again extremely wonderful and yeah it and you know definitely not like uh how I thought that process was was gonna go but um yeah they they took it and i i've been working with uh, my editor there is david pomerico he's amazing um his uh he's he's the head of the imprint um uh voyager there mm -hmm. uh, uh which is the their spec fix specific um imprint uh so working with him is amazing he's incredibly knowledgeable and and really got what I was trying to like do with this book you know like we we were very clearly synced up from the beginning um so that was yeah like in in April of 2019 uh and then a, a lot another like several rounds of edits and like Ooh. a lot of conversations about like should there be a period here or not later and uh and like <laughs> a spectacular amount of work on like cover art and and layout and like immensely talented people doing immensely difficult things um a physical book is here it's here yeah wild but yeah like i i've i've been lucky enough to have an incredible support network and yeah be surrounded by people who like 
super appreciate my work and Mm -hmm. I'm very committed to like having it be a thing in the world. It sounds like too, a lot of patience is required. Like it's not like instantaneous. Right. No, like I started writing and like the very first words I wrote were back in like 2013, like a oh, long wow. time ago. Wow. But I would say like 2016, about midway through the year, I seriously picked it up again, right? Like I had I had written like 20 or 30,000 words in um, mm-hmm. years ago and like not, not super touched it. Uh, and then like 2016, I'm like, I want to at least finish. I want to try and get a draft of this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I wrote one draft in 2016. 2016, 2017, a second draft in 2017, 2018. And then like August-ish, like late August, early September of that year, um, I sent it to my agent. And Mm -hmm. then uh, he got back to me, um, yeah, like a month or two later uh, about edits, like and saying he wanted to take it. Um, So then things moved pretty fast from there, right? Like, uh, you know, at that point, like from... I don't know, like December 2018 to when it sold in April, um, you know, we did like, a, there was a bunch of rounds of edits and like a bunch of back and forth and like getting the manuscript just like to get ready to sell. Um, mm-hmm. So that was like very, very fast. Um, and then, yeah, like it, it's, it's a lot of hurry up and wait in a way, like very, yeah. like a, a lot of intense periods of focused work. And then like, you know, when I sold it, 18 months seemed like 10,000 years from now. Like it was a, it was an inconceivable amount of time. Um, but it is just like blown by. It's wild that it is here. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun to see people on Bookstagram post your book because I'm like, oh yeah, we just read that. Oh yeah. yeah. How did you think? Book Instagram, if you're not familiar with us, we're like all over the place but. Very yeah it's it, every single time somebody like posts a cover image I'm like it's it's wildly exciting for me it's like yeah it's so cool the we have a few it is still like blowing my time we have a few close friends and they've been messaging us like we're really excited that you're about to talk to the author of Henge and I'm like yeah I know we're super cool <laughs> Uh, But in that respect, obviously, so our podcast, we talk a lot about representation in books Mm -hmm. and LGBTQ plus literature and how important that representation is. Um, And I think what we loved the most about your book is that it had such a diverse and inclusive cast of characters. Yes. But that the queerness was just part of their lives. It wasn't a plot Mm -hmm. device. It wasn't like this big coming Mm -hmm. out moment. It's just normalized, which is what we want in real world and in all of our books. So can you speak to the representation in this book and the importance of that representation, both for you professionally with your characters and in your personal life? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think uh, when it comes to like professionally and personally, um, they're they're very intertwined for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I am lucky enough to be surrounded by uh, hilarious geniuses. Yeah. Like, they're an incredibly diverse cast of characters, right? Like I, you know, there's, there, I'm like, like I, beautiful queerdos as far as the eye can see. Like it's yeah. wonderful. Like it's my life, it's my personal experience. It's their life, it's their personal experience. Um, you know, like Toronto's a very racially diverse city. My, you know, friends and colleagues represent that. Um, that is very much like the world that I come from. And I wanted to see a world like that 
represented mm -hmm. in a book, uh, which, you know, I, I don't think we see often enough. No. Um, and so it was, it was additionally important to me that like, m like my life and experience and their lives and experiences be represented there. Um, and I think you really nailed it when you said like, that's normalized because like, mm -hmm. I did not want to make um, like any of the, the primary tension or especially conflict in the book mm -hmm. centered on someone's identity in that way. Uh, which is not at all like a diss to any of the fantastic stories that do that. That right. That is just not what I wanted to do here because I did want it to be like relatively yeah. normalized, right? right? Like this is, this is just kind of a, a part of the world. Um, it's also a bit of a dig at like the, the you know, sort of way in which uh, a lot of creators um, like queer code villains mm -hmm. and so it's like fine we're all guess what all now we're all queer <laughs> deal with it yeah it's like you did this like okay fine uh so it's, it's a bit of a dig in that direction too um in that like but you know like in the way that marginalized communities kind of get like pushed literally to the edges yeah um, mm -hmm. and then find you know have to build communities there right mm -hmm. and like find um, camaraderie there and so it made sense to me that that is what that would look like like also there's just like no way the future is not and this is not like future setting exactly like hench is not set right future, but like we're we're building universes here right like spectrix is about building universes mm -hmm. like why would you not build a super like you know an incredibly diverse, very, very queer, very like not cis het white world. Like what mm -hmm. if all the possibilities are available to you. Like, you know, it was, it's, it's a, a thing that bugs me about a lot of, of future things. As I was saying, like, you know, I, I refuse to believe everybody is straight and white. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I refuse to believe that this is true. And a lot of science fiction, like, continues to do this in a way that aggravates me um mm -hmm. you know and just like i i i do not see uh you know i think enough um other there is some of course extraordinarily great stuff um but uh you know enough where it's just kind of the the rate the background radiation of the mm -hmm. entire world is like this is the way that things are Right. Um, and to just have it be present um, is extremely important. For sure. Yeah. And I will say I took a picture of whenever the first introduction was when Anna was making her team when she was in her new, I'm trying not to like spoil it for people, but when she was starting to like form her team to work on her project and there was just such casual mentions of people's pronouns and it wasn't like, it like, especially having friends who use various pronouns. I took a picture mm -hmm. of it and I'm like, this should be in every book. Like it wasn't a big moment. It was just like, yeah, they're working on the project and so-and-so. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I like shared it on my story. I was like, hey, I want this in every book. I, I too would like to see that, right? Like that's, that is the world I would, like there's no way in which like Anna and her team and like, everybody in that situation doesn't have like their pronouns on their door like once they right. find their place or like in their email signature you know what i mean like right. there's there's just no way that this place 
functions that way with, with again, like all these people who are like so weird and different, like of course that has to right. be, like of course there does. Um, and so that's like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm obviously it makes me super happy that like you saw and enjoyed mm -hmm. that because it's the sort of things what I find a bit like, yeah, super happy too. And we've had that conversation a lot on our podcast and with mm -hmm. other book lovers that especially in our books, like pretty much every book should have a diverse cast of characters because that's not, mm -hmm. like you said, the white straight man, the white cis straight, straight man is just not the default. And just assuming that everybody is straight, unless it has to be like explicitly defined for you is exhausting. So it's nice to just read yes. the book and like, there's this whole other thing going on. And then they're like, oh, Anna's talking about her ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, whoever, like, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. My little, my little gay heart's like, ooh, yay! Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super glad. That's that's mega awesome. Um, I'm super sorry, but I have about five minutes before I must turn into a puff of bats and leave you. That's fine. Uh, we have one more question. So beautiful, perfect. You were right on time. But uh, Sam, do you want to read it since you're disappearing? <laughs> I'm not. You're good. If you lived in your book universe or a world where superheroes and villains existed, would you be a superhero, supervillain, a sidekick, or a hench? And what would your sp special skills be? Oh man. Uh, I mean, I'd I'd like to. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself some credit and say like supervillain to aspiring supervillain. Like supervillain has been my like one word bio on like every social media platform at one point or another for like mm -hmm. my whole life. So let's, uh, you know, honor who I am and, and where I, where I come from. Um, I think that, uh, I would, I'd like to think that my abilities would have something to do with persuasion and language because it's mm -hmm. the way that I interact mm -hmm. with the world the most. And, you know, the thing I, I feel like I have the most like weird specific skills right. around, you know, yeah. like I think, I think that, uh, I think that that would be, that would be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that I would comfortably fit into, uh, the sort of like dominant good evil paradigm in, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, the, in the same, in, as much as I don't now currently in the actual world, I think I would occupy a similar space in a sort of like super villainous slash super heroic world and, if that mm -hmm. is the case, then like, I know, I know what side I'm on. You're Beside on. doing the least damage, if you get yeah. math. Math like works, by the way. I know. We love the data. <laughs> I love the data and stats part of that book. Thank but thank you so much, Natalie, for coming and talking about Hench. And if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you can buy Hench anywhere that you buy books. Woo! And Natalie, Woo! where can our listeners find you if you're on social media? I am. I'm on Twitter probably mm -hmm. the most, um, at Natalie Z. So N-A-T-A-L-I-E-Z-E-D. -E okay. um, that's probably the easiest way to find me, but uh, that's my username most places on the internet. So. Perfect. We will put it in our description, but thank Perfect. you and congrats on your thank book. You. Thank you so much. This has been so lovely. Yeah. Anytime. Next book you have, just shoot us an email. We'll got it. We got you. <laughs> Hopefully right. it's cool. Yeah. Yes. That's All right. You heard it here. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. <laughs>